Well, welcome to A Voice in the Distance Ministries, the Bible teaching website where we teach the Bible book by book, verse by verse. And uh, as I like to say, we even teach the books here that... uh, that don't uh, want to be read at times. And I hope, again, that you do. See, we're, we're looking at some very interesting things here in the mind of God and in the ways of God. And I, I think to myself, it's interesting how we've avoided certain books, such as the book we're in now in the book of Leviticus. And we're going through this uh, pandemic of, of a coronavirus where quarantine and, and, and medical issues are being had. And what's interesting is, is that we are... Looking at documentation here that's probably somewhere around 3,500 years old. Okay, we're talking thousands of years ago in in things that God had implemented to Moses to tell the people on how to handle these situations. Long before medical science could ever even, even figured or conjured up such a thing. And now we're utilizing these things today that God had said to do 3,500 years ago. And so, we're going to look at some more stuff. Now, we're going to be in chapter 15 in Leviticus, and uh, this is kind of a kind of a yuck chapter, if you will. And uh, it's, it's laws concerning bodily discharges. And of course, who wants to hear that stuff? I, I feel like we're going to be going to medical school today a little bit. But you know what, again, it's fascinating. Because you could still learn something. Right? You can still learn something. Maybe you've never heard, heard of uh, certain medical issues. And maybe you're going to be educated somewhere today from the Word of God where you aren't educated from your parents or from, uh, or from other sources. But again, when it, when it comes from God, it's always good. Now, I'm not going to uh, talk too much because, again, there's a lot of reading here I want to get into and a lot of things that I want to try to... Uh, elaborate on clearly as possible so again you know last week we went over in the issues of leprosy now we don't see leprosy in our day and age and especially in the western world uh, we don't see leprosy thank god because of that slow deteriorating death that happened and so but we do see leprosy from a spiritual standpoint and we're seeing certain forms of leprosy right now within like the coronavirus because we're having to practice a social distancing if you will of six feet uh, per person which is considered the safe measures of staying away from somebody well that's funny because that is exactly what the laws of God gave in the form of leprosy that you were to, uh, to stay two meters clear of somebody a meter was roughly three, pe- uh, three feet per meter so that's a six foot distance so God implemented these things <clears throat> God implemented them, but we utilize them today, and we give a little more credit to uh, human doctors and other people that uh, when God is the one who pretty much already gave us um, certain things to look for. But we're going to look at this stuff today. And so I want to keep in mind that when we look at Leviticus and we look at these laws and certain things that we're looking at, we're looking at two things. We're looking at both physical and we're looking at the spiritual with ceremonial aspects. Okay, so the ceremonial aspects were involved because of the sin nature involved. If you committed something, well, there there had to be something done by it. You had to you had to make a particular atonement for it. So there was the ceremonial aspect on the reminder of our sinful nature and the cleanliness from our, our sinful nature from a spiritual aspect. Now we don't do these anymore due to the blood of Christ being uh, being. Or once and, and for all atonement. But this is how things had to be done back in the day before Christ came. 
in order for for atonement to be had for the sins that were made. So let's t- jump right on in here and take a look here. Um, as in chapter 15, the law concerning bodily discharge, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, When any man has a discharge from his body, his discharge is unclean. And this shall be his uncleanliness in regard to his discharge, whether his body runs with his discharge or his body is stopped by his discharge. It is uncleanliness. Every bed is unclean on which he who has the discharge lies, and everything on which he sits shall be unclean. And whoever touches his bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. He who sits on anything on which he has... Uh, the discharge uh, uh, shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. And he who touches the body of him who has the discharge shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. But if he who has the discharge spits on him who is clean, then he shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean till evening. So we have these interesting aspects here, these bodily discharges. We look at today's day and age. If you worked in hospitals, convalescent hospitals, uh, hotels, you know, there are certain things that have to be done in, in regards to regulations. You know, we, we wear gloves. We, you know, we take washing measures. Um, I have two aunts that worked in convalescent hospitals, and my one aunt was a, is a retired CNA, and she dealt with um, in a facility that was not just in convalescent hospitals, but they dealt with other things, too. They actually had a psychiatric ward, um, and they also had other, other physical issues as well. Uh, for people that had uh, miscellaneous things going on with them. It wasn't a big hospital, but there was a lot going on there. And so there were things that had to be done. There were there was regulations. And, and so it was uncleanliness from both the physical and possibly from that of a spiritual. You know, he said here that, um, he made a comment here about... Uh, uh, Discharges being unclean. And, and it said here that his body is stopped by his discharge. Well, that could be that we're looking at that would indicate a possible infection of sorts. People get infections uh, out of nowhere. Sometimes people get infections from venereal diseases. So that, that is all uncleanliness. It is all things that are, that are a danger in the form of, of all those things. And so, in order, when you lay in a bed, anybody who has at least a little bit of common sense of, of, of cleanliness and medical issues will never lay on a bed that's not been washed or want to lay on a bed that's not been washed. You've been in some, if you've ever been in some motels that have very low ratings, if you will, it's because of that kind of stuff. But he said here, but if he who has the discharge even spits on him, he is unclean. You know, it's interesting in the Jewish culture, in any culture, but especially there in the Eastern culture, that is the ultimate insult, spitting on somebody. You know, it's funny that whatever is in your blood, whatever is in your saliva, shows much of your DNA. It could, it could prove you in a crime. <laughs> it could basically prove your nationalities, we've found out. And it could also expose diseases and, and other health issues. It's amazing what's in there. So by, by blood or spit, saliva and so on and so forth, 
You know, it's a very interesting concept. You know, over the years we've developed uh, the ability to to uh, find people's nationalities through blood and saliva. I actually did that um, with my dad. And what's interesting is is that. <clears throat> You know, my dad was never on my birth certificate, and my dad never knew his biological father. Uh, and, and so he was able to find out his nationality through his biological father, through his saliva. And so my dad not even being on my birth certificate, though he is my dad, there's no doubt about it, because I did the same thing. I took the test from another state. And I got my results and compared it with his, and sure enough, <laughs> you know, there I am. All the same nationalities in all of the things that were um, referred to on my mother's side as well. So it's really something. You know, you, your saliva, your DNA, your blood shows all things, and in, in, in many things at least, I should say, whether that, you know, where you're from or what you're carrying. You possibly could be carrying a disease. And so there are measures to be taken. So washing, okay, washing and, and, and bathing in water is a very, uh, it was a very wise thing in the eyes of God, ceremonially and physically as well. So again, we look at this with, we look at this with interest, I, I'd like to think, right? That, that God is, God is good and knows what he's talking about. And so, I like to look at this stuff and think to myself that, you know, if we would have been paying a little more attention to these things in the unavoided, or in the avoided book of Leviticus, I should say, that we'd probably be in better shape with things. So, I think it's a good time to look at this stuff right now, and uh, and to really be woken up. Uh, let's look at here, it says um, in verse 9, it says, Now, any saddle on which he who has the discharge rides shall be unclean. Whoever touches anything that was under him shall be unclean till evening. Who, he who carries any of those things uh, shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean till evening. And whoever the one who has the discharge touches, he has not rinsed his hands in water, he shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and, and be unclean till evening. The vessel of earth that he who have uh, had the discharge touches shall be broken, and every vessel of wood shall be rinsed in water. And when he who has a discharge is cleansed on his discharge, then he shall count for himself seven days for his cleansing, washing, wash his clothes and bathe his body in running water, and then he shall be clean. On the eighth day he shall take for himself two turtle doves or two young pigeons and come before the Lord to the door of the tabernacle of meeting and give them to the priest. The priest shall offer them as the sin offering and as another as a burnt offering, so the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord because of his discharge. And if any man has an emission of semen, then he shall wash all his body in water and be unclean till evening. And any garment and any uh, leather on which there is semen, it shall be washed with water and be unclean until evening. So again, these are things that a lot of us really kind of know from, from a common sense factor. And so these things are what spreads disease. They spread many, many things that we really don't want if you think about it. And so, if there is an abnormal discharge, that could be that could basically, especially from a genital standpoint, talking about men here. Well, then, then there was a ceremonial cleansing involved in which regarded seven days. Seven days, which is always again keep in mind the number of completion. 
So we look at these things with, with caution. We look at these things with, um, um, with both, again, the physical and with the spiritual aspect of, of, of something here that God wanted done for us to keep in mind. You know, if, a lot of times we bring things on ourselves. Uh, whether it might have been through lack of wisdom in, in, in where we went or what we did or through a blatant action in, in disregard to sin. And we're going to look at other things too from, from a sexual aspect. I think that really it needs to be looked at very closely. Um, and, and we see why God implemented what he did. We see why God said what he said. And... and, and I've read the Bible, studied the Bible, taught the Bible, and when I've looked at the lives of whether myself or other people that disregarded what it is that God said, it always showed a bad result. But it never failed when somebody did what God said, when they obeyed faithfully and fully, then then good came. There there was there was some form of good Right then and there or down the line. So now he kind of jumps into the aspect of the women here in regards to what they have to deal with. Uh, in verse 18 says, Also when a woman lies with a man and there is uh, an emission of, of semen, they shall bathe in water and be unclean until evening. If a woman has a discharge and the discharge from her body is blood, he, uh, she shall be set apart seven days and whoever touches her shall be unclean until evening. Everything that she lies on during her impurity shall be unclean. Also, everything that she sits on shall be unclean. Whoever touches her bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. And whoever touches anything that she has sat on shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean till evening. If anything on her bed or on anything on which she sits, when he touches it, he shall be unclean until evening. So again, we look at this and the fact that... We're looking at what God implemented from a sexual standpoint here. And so, a lot of people uh, take the sexual orientation, if you will, and, and, and turn it into things that are of dirty nature. Now, the world has definitely done a very good job of that. But in God's view of it, in God's, in God's creation of it, it wasn't, it wasn't meant to be dirty. It wasn't meant to be anything disgusting. Because he was he, he created it for the enjoyment and for the union of married couples, and so that, that is what it was in regards to the continuation of the marital covenant. Right? Let's look at this. You know, the, everything that we do, let us see it being done with a view towards you know God's love involved, with God's design involved, right? And, and, and most of all, God's control. Is God controlling the situation? Right? Because sex doesn't have to be separate from, from that of the spirituality. Because it was, it was done with God's care. It was done with God's design. And he was concerned. He is absolutely concerned with our habits. And so, because those habits lead us to dangerous places. And a lot of people have so much regret... 
when they look back at what they've done, and, and there's some people that look back at it and just kind of chuckle about it and think nothing of it, which is sad because it's kind of like, wow, if we have that mentality, who knows what else we'll do? Who, who knows what else we will bring upon our children? So, so this is a very serious issue. This is a very serious issue spiritually, physically, emotionally. You know, God implemented this for a man and a woman to be married. And when this was done, when this was done on a sinful free will, then, then that moment has been taken from somebody on their wedding night. Now a lot of people, a lot of people have no qualms. They could they could look past certain things and think like, "Oh, that was the past and whatever have you." Good for them, okay? But that does not make things right. The bottom line is is that something special, something sacred was taken. Something special, something sacred was taken from from the person that God had had put together with that other person. Now, of course, sins are forgiven. Of course, sins are cleansed. Of course, these things, God is giving us the, the recipe for, or the, uh, or the, the instructions for, um, for the atonement of things. But, these, these particular things do not necessarily leave our minds and our, our memories and our hearts. These are things that scar. These are things that, that remind us of, of, of our fall. And so, for those who have fallen in that nature, if you will, God is good because He has the ability to forgive and He has the ability to renew. But if you have a conviction of the things you've done, then then that's a good thing too because it's going to help prevent from future aspects. And some people get so sucked into things in regards to this nature that we re- we really don't care anymore. And that is a very dangerous place to be. Because we, we tend to separate our physical and our spiritual lives. But there is an, I like to call it like a, an, an inseparable, an inseparable thing here going on with God. God must be the Lord over all of our lives, especially our private lives. You know, we want to be able to look somebody in the eye when they've asked us a question on what we've done or who we've been with. And when you're able to do that with a sense of joy and a sense of good pride, not pride, but good pride, if you will, of staying the course of what God said to do, there is an admiration, first and foremost with God, but then in the eyes of others. Others will, others will look at you and say, good for you. Now there's others out there that are going to say, oh man, you've missed out. Oh, what's wrong with you? Those guys are, those people there are lost. And, and, and then you look at their lives in general, those, those who, who think that and say that, their next good decision in life will end up being their first. And Because and I've known many like that. I've known many like that. And they've got no bragging rights whatsoever. And God is not impressed. He's not a respecter of men. And you know, I see why. <laughs> and so, but again, God must implement all things. He must be in control of all things. And so, even with the female here, you know, with the, with the discharge of, 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 of a menstrual period, if you will, there had to be... A clearing. We still practice that today. 
Right? We, we stay clear of it. We just know that, oh gosh, that's gross. We don't want to touch that. God said not to touch it. And, and so, you know, it, it's amazing what he did. You know, there was great principle involved here in regards to sexual restraint. And so, you know, the New Testament even teaches a lot of this too about about you know taking time away in order to uh, in order to to restrain and to rebuild anything that might might have been um, wronged, if you will, in in the, in the aspects of marriage. So let's continue here. Oh, let's see. I think it's verse twenty-five we're in. If a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, other than at the time of her customary impurity, or if it runs beyond her usual time of impurity, all the days of her unclean discharge shall be as the days of her customary impurity. She shall be unclean. Every bed on which she lies... Uh, all the days of her discharge shall be to her as the bed of her impurity. And whatever she sits on shall be unclean, as the uncleanliness of her impurity. Whoever touches those things shall be unclean. He shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and unclean until evening. But if she is uh, cleansed of her discharge, and she shall count for herself seven days, and after that she shall be clean. And on the eighth day she shall take for herself two turtle doves or two young pigeons and bring them to the priest to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Now we went over this before um, also that um, the ceremonial aspect is after birth or anything of this matter, uh, women can uh, do a sacrifice regarding uh, pigeons and turtle doves which were very inexpensive sacrifices. And so... That was the uh, that was the issue right there. Her ceremonial uncleanliness could be could be could spread to other objects, and so we we want to make sure again that we practice all things of of uh, of cleanliness and, and and right measures, and so this was a small offering, but it was a major sin. And so God, again, is, is doing this for the sake of protection. Right? He's doing this for the sake of protection. Because, again, we want to look at God's way of doing things, not man's. Let's see here. Uh, verse uh, 31. I'm sorry, but let's do verse 30. It says, and then the priest shall offer the one as the sin offering and the other as a burnt offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her before the Lord for the discharge of her uncleanliness. Thus you shall separate the children of Israel from their uncleanliness, lest they die in their uncleanliness, when they defile my tabernacle that is among them. This is the law of one who has a discharge, and for him who uh, emits semen and is unclean thereby, and for her who is indisposed because of her customary impurity, and for one who has discharged either man or woman, and for him who lies with her is to be unclean. You shall separate the children of Israel from their uncleanliness. This is what it was really about. A lot of what it was about. The, the separation, because holiness means it's a separation. And we don't want to defile the tabernacle because that was where God's holy presence was when he came down in the form of worship when they came in there to worship. So when they defile my tabernacle that is among them, you know, God knew. He said when they defile. He didn't say if. He said when because he knows all things. And so... You know, we, we look at this. 
Because God is truly concerned about our health. He's concerned about our spiritual life. He's concerned about the dignity of our body. Our, the dignity of our sexual experiences. You know, these commandments are calls to avoid unhealthy practice is what it is. Right? Again, I said before, washing was, was a, a, a health response. It was a health issue. But then to be purified or cleansed was the spiritual thing. It was the spiritual response. We have to, we have to look at both ways. You know, the, the sexual things have been degraded publicly nowadays. It, it's become, it's become a, a form of normalcy. God calls us to have a high regard for these things, not, not, a, not an open revolving door. And so, God, help us to be undefiled in our lives. We just don't care. Right? We, we just don't care. And when we live like this, do we want our children to live like this? Our grandchildren? See, these are legacies in life that we don't want to leave behind. Some people, some people can hold a lot of things in. They have a lot of skeletons in their closet. Well, there's no reason to have skeletons in your closet. Because skeletons represent the things of death, dead bones, right? And there's no, there's no need for that. If obedience and faithfulness can be practiced, then we'll have nothing on our conscience. You have a conscience, I hope. And if you don't, may God help you. What we're seeing here is an educated matter of what, of what we're looking at. So now we're, now we're held responsible. Now we know. We cannot ignore this and say that, that oh, well, that, that was then, this is now. No, not, not at all. Because we're looking at, again, I've said before, the four major laws of the book of Leviticus were ceremonial laws, judicial laws, dietary laws, and moral laws. Well, the moral laws followed into the New Testament. Okay, the, the the dietary laws weren't so much. You know, the the, uh, the 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 ceremonial laws were not so much. The judicial laws, more or less, followed into all of our nations today. But but absolutely, the moral laws are the majority of what flown into the into the New Testament. The moral laws are are the laws that we look at today, even as non-believers, as aspects of morality. And so, God help us to follow these things because we want to look back at ourselves and say, thank you God for keeping me from this form of a, of a, of a humiliating lifestyle. Now, people might be listening and thinking to themselves, well, I, gosh, I went off the deep end and I did this and I did that. Well, guess what? You are forgiven. And you can be forgiven if you have never asked for it. If you have never asked for forgiveness, you can be cleansed and washed once and for all, and now you have the opportunity and the ability to follow through. To follow through with Christ, walking with Him, getting through His Word, going through His Word, and, and seeing the change in your life. You know, we, we like to use letter expressions and, um, and abbreviations, okay? 
I like to use the form shame, S-H-A-M-E, which is self-hatred at my expense. But that gets kicked out of the kicked out of the uh, out of the galaxy, if you will, when Christ comes into the picture with His grace, which was God's riches at Christ's expense. So, what do you want? You want to live with shame, or do you want to, or do you want some grace that was given to you at God's riches at Christ's expense? And, and through that, you grow through what we call the Bible, the B I B L E, basic instructions before leaving Earth. So look at those abbreviations and memorize them. Think of those, because they're true. God is good, but God is always right. And I, I want to invite you along to, to study with me, because again, when, we, when I look at these things that he said, and, and all these rules that he made, when they were practiced, good came. Good things came. Protection came. But when they, were, when they were ignored and defiled, nothing good came from it. Shame. We had to hide things. If we have to hide something, then, then that means that we're doing something wrong, of course. Very, very normal, very typical. God doesn't want us to have to hide things. He calls us to be a light on the hill. Right? The, the, the brightest of the stars are seen in the darkest of places. And so where do you want to be? Is God calling you? Is he calling you into a new life? Is he calling you into his eternity? He wants you. He, he, he's been wanting you ever since. You have to make the choice. You have to make the choice to receive, to believe and then receive. A lot of people believe in the word of God, but they haven't received God, and that doesn't do you much good. It's a, it's an act of rebellion if you think about it. Yeah, I believe in it, but I don't want it. I like the way I live. I like what I'm doing. You won't in the future. Your family won't in the future. So this is an invitation because we serve a God of invitation. And our God of invitation is inviting you to receive His Son, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior, who cleansed you of all sins. I want to tell you one story before I close in regards to the New Testament, what Jesus did. You've heard the story of the woman with the flow of blood in the New Testament. There was this woman who had a menstrual period that did not stop for years and years and years. I want to say it was 15 years, if my memory serves me correct, that she had this. She spent all of her money on physicians. They could not do anything. They couldn't do anything to help her. She was technically ceremonial and physically unclean, so if she was married, chances are she wasn't very married for a long time because she could not have a relationship with her husband. She could not be touched by anybody. I'm sure it was obvious everywhere she went that she was going through that. But when she was in the neighborhood and she saw Jesus Christ right there in the neighborhood... She said to herself, if I could only touch his garment, just his garment, I don't have to touch, if I could just touch his garment, I know I'm going to be healed. So she snuck through the crowd and she touched his garment, most likely his rabbi prayer shawl is what, is what she touched. And Jesus said, who touched me? I felt power come out of me. 
But he knew, and, and he turned around because nobody said anything. See, women were not allowed to be near men and especially to touch them in public. Or in general, if, especially if they weren't your husband. But what Jesus did is he turned around and he says, Daughter. <laughs> he made it known that it's okay to touch me because he called her daughter. Your sins are forgiven you. And your ailments have been cured. Go in peace. That's what he did. And that's what he could do for you. Look, it doesn't have to always be something physical. You might be going through something spiritual. Come to him. Through the good and through the bad. Because this is an eternal thing. I'm not sitting here promising the good life. I'm sitting here I'm, I'm promising eternal life if you receive him in truth. But of course, when you, when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all things will follow. And what those things are, I don't know, but his blessings are his blessings and his blessings are good. Amen? So if you want that, if you want to receive that, I want to invite you to do so. And, and by all means, remember what we just read today in chapter 15 and follow them. <laughs> We'd be in so much better shape. But more than anything right now, this is the spiritual part. I want you to say a prayer after me if you feel led to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. To be cleansed of your sins, of your ailments. So if you feel led, say this prayer after me. Dear God, please forgive me. Forgive me of all of my sins as I confess to you that I am a sinner. Thank you for cleansing me, Lord, of all of my sins. And thank you for dying on the cross. For Father, I receive you as my my Lord. I receive you as my Savior. I receive you as my Father. I ask of you, Lord, to take me now as I receive you in my heart. And when my time comes, that I will be with you, Father. Again, I thank you for washing me of my sins with your blood. And I walk with you now. I receive you now as your child. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen as always. Hey, you know, I mean, again, we're never guaranteed tomorrow, but you, you are now guaranteed eternity if you said that prayer and said it in truth. So again, I invite you every week and every time we do a message to follow along because God's Word will do so much for you. And prayer will do so much for you. And so I want to just again invite you as He invited you, (laughs) our God of invitation, to follow along and to walk with Him and stay close with one another, stay close with Him. Because those are the things that are the good things in life. More than anything else. So I pray that again, that you will seek Him, follow Him, and see what He does. May God bless you and your family. Much love to you always. God bless you.